Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, tonight, tonight we're going to continue in a series that we started back before I um, took uh, a, a few weeks off. I think I've been off like four or five Wednesday evenings. Uh, let's see, this is the fourth week, so I've probably been off five Wednesday evenings. Uh, this is the fourth week since I had that quadruple bypass. And uh, so <laughs> I kind of uh, didn't teach for a few Wednesday nights. And so right now, tonight, we're picking up right where we left off with our study of women in the Bible, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Y'all remember that? Uh, it's a series that we did 12 years ago. And, you know, uh, you know me. I've, 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 you know, I've been pastoring here for over 34 years. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't repeat a sermon normally. But this was one of the most requested and one of the most... Uh, um, studied series that we ever did and so by request we decided to revive it and come back and and open up the Word of God and tonight uh, as we're talking about women of the Bible the good the bad and the ugly tonight it is about drama queens drama queens part five okay and so oh come on let's have a good uh, we look at a lot of men in the bible the good the bad and the ugly and so we've, we've looked so far out of out of the first four weeks we looked at all of the wonderful uh you know uh, women that you know and god uses them women like rahab and women like uh uh, 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 Esther the queen and, and Mary the mother of Jesus and uh, you know uh, uh, we, we looked at so many uh, the daughters of Lot you know uh, we looked at a lot of women who we realized Eve you know Eve was a good woman she was chosen by God she was a perfect woman she by the way was the only perfect woman to ever live okay she was chosen by the hand of God created by the hand of God and uh, she was a wonderful wonderful woman it's just not reasonable that people look at Eve as some bad person she wasn't she was a good woman she made a mistake you won't find anybody in the Bible that doesn't make a mistake and you won't find anybody in life that doesn't make a mistake you won't find somebody in life that's not going to have some opportunity to disappoint you or disappoint God but that does not make someone bad it doesn't make you know uh, there are a lot of good people that just do something that that uh, you know may not be good and then believe me as Jesus encountered and you may have encountered in your life there are a few bad actors in life there are a few people that don't ever make it over to the light side. And uh, for some reason, God put uh, a, a, a compliment of men and women in the Bible. Some of the people that we study about teach us what to do. Some of the people in your life, some of the leaders, some of the supervisors, some of the bosses, some of, some of the people that you know are going to teach you what to do in life. And some people are going to teach you what not to do. Both of these are very valuable lessons. And we need to thank God that he would include uh, some people in the Bible and some stories and some accounts that show us a side of life that we don't want to be on. And uh, it's, it's, it's you know, by their example that we should avoid some of the things. And so tonight, uh, as, as, as we continue in this series, uh, 
God just confirms his word to us. I'm just amazed that God knows the end from the beginning. And, and he has perfect timing in life. Uh, he knows every step we're going to take. He knows every decision we're going to make. He never fails to do his best to protect you. He never fails to encourage you to make the best choice. You might fail to make the best choice, but he never fails to encourage us. In fact, he has written it here. He's even written it on the palms of his hand. You know, you're not going to make a mistake or make a bad decision because you did not know, because God was asking absent from you because God wasn't trying to help you you know uh, God is doing his best to help you in fact he's written it in his word and so it's important to realize that God does not fail to prepare us he does not fail to do his best to protect us uh, however uh, if there's anything that the devil hates it's the work of God the devil actually despises the work of God in your life, in your family, in your community, in your church, in the world. He just does not like to see God working and God getting an advantage. And he will do anything he can to hinder it, to hurt it, or to stop it. And unfortunately, the devil has no ability to do anything unless he can get someone to work with him. He just doesn't have the ability to divide uh, you know, your workplace or your classroom or your family family or your community he has no ability to do anything unless he can find someone who will work with him whether it's temporarily whether it's a one-time deal or whether it's someone who actually commits and devotes their life to something that he really wants instead of something that God wants and uh, it's important to realize that uh, that uh, um, you know if if you've walked with the Lord for any time uh, you know, and you should not be surprised when the devil does his best to disrupt uh, your family, your friends, to disrupt uh, the work of God. It usually begins as we see Jesus as a pattern. And by the way, let me, let me throw this in there because I just realized I said that without explaining it. Jesus is our ultimate pattern. If we see a truth and we want to know if this truth really has depth and has root, then we can go to Jesus' life and we can look and see if he dealt with it and how he dealt with it and what, what he did about it and if it was repetitive. And we can see in the life of Jesus, we can see throughout the, the, the New Testament in the life of, of, of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John, the Apostle Peter, uh, you know, uh, we can see uh, that, that the devil did his best to try to stop the work of God normally by making somebody upset that a person was healed or that something was done on a certain day or that, you know, uh, or, or, or that someone was blessed or that Jesus hung around with sinners or that, you know, I mean, the, I mean this was over and over and over. It was normally when the devil would get upset, he would get over, upset over something that was good. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you with me? How can anybody get upset over something that is good? But we see that as a repetitive problem throughout the Word of God. Is that when Jesus would do something for someone, you know, the man they let down in, 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 in Mark the third chapter in front of Jesus, and Jesus said, oh, be forgiven of your sins. I mean, is being forgiven of your sins good or bad? It's good. I mean, hello, would you like to be forgiven of your sins? Is it good or is it bad? 
It's a good thing. Jesus was doing something good, and they took issue with him doing something that was good. He said, okay, gosh, uh, you know, okay, so that you will know that this is a good thing, and I have a right and a power to do that. Take up your bed and walk. Oh, wait, it's a Sunday. You can't do that. <laughs> you know, somebody was getting upset always. I mean, the, uh, you know, at the pool, you know, who told you to get your bed and walk? Well, you know, I mean, the, the man who was healed of his blindness, you know, and, and, and told him, well, who, who did it? You know, uh, the crippled man, uh, who did it? Who told you to take up your bed? You know, generally it was over something that was good. Why? Because the devil only really gets upset about people that are doing something good. That shouldn't be a shock to us. It should not, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It should not be a shock to us whenever someone is blessed or encouraged or someone uh, you know, uh, uh, is, is doing something uh, that, that these interruptions come to the work of God because the devil wants to interrupt the work of God. And it's not hard to recognize that that's the devil. But why in the world? Because the devil wants to stop God doing something good to you or God doing something good through you. And if he can at all, he will. And this evening, we're going to pick up on something just like that. Now, remember, these notes are already 12 years old. Okay? And so, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's not something brand new here. This is something that's been happening 2,000 years. It was happening a dozen years ago, and it's still happening today. We're going to pick up where we left off, and so far we have discovered that women have a greater influence than do men in many cases. Such was the case with Eve. We imagine that uh, that was not the first time that the devil tempted Eve or Adam. Okay, But... Eve not only took of the temptation of the forbidden fruit, she influenced her husband, who the Bible says knew better. But her influence was very great. We've also learned that a woman is motivated by what she believes, hopes, or wants for the future. Y'all remember we talked about the daughters of Lot, how they were not evil young girls. They really believed something. They were wrong in what they believed. But they really believed that there were no more men in all the world, and it fell to them to repopulate the earth. I mean, this is something that God had said to Adam and Eve. It's something that he had said to Noah. And so why now not would it be incumbent upon them? And they did something. They, they, they got their uh, father drunk and uh, uh, had rela sexual relationship with him, and each one of them had a child. But, uh, you know, uh, these girls were not what you would call horrible, evil, wicked girls. They made a mistake, but they believed that they were doing their best for the future. You can believe something with all your heart and still be you know, uh, doing something that, uh, that perhaps was not the best. We also learned that soft answers turn away wrath. We looked at the life of Ruth and several other women in the Bible and realized that a, that a gentle and a submissive and, a, and a, 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 a kind heart and soft answers really do turn the hearts of people. The Bible says that, that when your ways please the Lord, He'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. And He's the one that said a soft answer turns away wrath. And then we also learned uh, at our last time together in part number four that a virtuous woman will accomplish her task 
even from the confines of her life. We realize that Mary was a young girl. We realize that Esther was a young girl. And they had some certain limitations and some certain confines of their life. Mary, for example, even though she was the mother of Jesus chosen by God, yet after Gabriel had visited with Mary and she became pregnant with the Son of God, from then on, God and the angels visited her husband. And she accomplished her task from the confines of having a husband and having, as it were, to go to Egypt when he said, let's go to Egypt because God spoke to me. There were some certain limitations and confines that Esther experienced. Esther was called by God, Queen Esther, but yet she still was under uh, the authority not only of her husband, the king, but also of the Medes and the Persian Empire to where if anyone came before the king without him requesting it, they would be put to death. Immediately, do not pass go, do not collect $200. You're dead unless the king lifted his scepter. So she had to risk. It was from the confines of her life. She, you know, uh, God did not call the king to be the deliverer. He called her. God did not call Joseph, you know, to be the mother of Jesus, but Mary. But we found out that these women accomplish the task that God had given them as a virtuous woman does from Proverbs 31. In fact, the word virtuous in Proverbs 31, you know what it means? It, it is a word kalil, and it means to be valiant. It means to be courageous. It means to be powerful. It doesn't necessarily mean to be modest and prim and proper, okay, or quiet or, or, or you know, mousy. Hello, Okay, I'm not against those things. Okay, God's not against those things in their place. But that's not what the Bible is talking about. If you read it, it's the very same word, kayil, that is used for Gideon when the angel showed up and says, Thou mighty man of valor. V-A-L-O-R. Uh, that is the same word as virtuous. It's the same word in the, in the Hebrew where it says that you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. It's the word for wealth. The word wealth is the same word as virtuous there for Proverbs 31. We have to understand that women are not some secondary addition that, that, that God created with an afterthought. But they are perhaps... You know, the greatest creatures that God ever created, I believe. But they are powerful, and yet they accomplish their task from some confines that many men do not find themselves bound by. Uh, it's amazing. Well, uh, for tonight, we're going to be shifting gears. Uh, part five is where we talk about not we would always been talking about the good women we're going to talk about a couple of bad women tonight you know next time we get together we'll be talking about an, an ugly woman okay <laughs> because they're all representative of of the stories that god has given us and so while you turn to mark chapter six tonight 
uh, I would like for, for you to allow me to share, catch us up on a little bit of history in what we're, we're going to read about in Mark chapter 6 about uh, a couple of drama queens in the Bible and uh, share a little history here. Um, it was about the same year that Jesus was born. I'm going to assume that there are a few of you that like a little history. So let me give you a little history, okay? Um, it, it was about the year that Jesus was born that King Herod the Great, y'all remember the guy that wanted to kill Jesus? You know? King Herod the Great was presented with a new granddaughter named after him. Her name was Herodias. Okay? And this new granddaughter, about the same age as Jesus, um, uh, um, born into this Herod the Great family, you know, she was uh, um, um, raised uh, with about anything she wanted. But, but uh, the emperor, King Herod, was a very insecure person. You remember, he even sent down to Bethlehem and killed all the children that were under two years old because of his insecurity. Because he thought uh, this, this child that was born in Bethlehem, Jesus, about the same time as his granddaughter, uh, somebody might want to make him king. And that's what he had heard. So he killed every newborn male child under two years old. What, a, what, a, what an amazing uh, a thing to do. And, and, and that's the kind of aggressive and arrogant and insecure environment that Herodias was born into. Herodias was raised enjoying the finer things of life. And, and uh, uh, as a young girl, she worked her wiles, if you will. Uh, she, uh, she wooed and successfully married her uncle. Okay? Ooh, yeah, okay. She got her uncle, Herod, who was Herod is a title. She got her uncle, uh, 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 Philip, to marry her. And, uh, you know, he was supposed to be the next emperor. And she wanted to be the queen. And uh, he was going to be the emperor, and so she, uh, you know, she, uh, you know, did whatever she did, and boom, all of a sudden, uncle says, marry me, and she says, yes, they got married, and so Philip and Herodias, they ended up having one daughter while they were married, uh, it was born to them about A.D. 14. Her name was Salome. She was named after her maternal grandmother. And, uh, uh, but real soon after Salome was born, it became evident that Herodias' new husband, Uncle Philip, is not going to be chosen to be emperor. Hmm. That's kind of upsetting for her. Uh, Philip and Herodias, instead of him becoming emperor, he was sent to Palestine what you now know is Israel. And uh, they were sent there to live among the upper-class citizens in one of the port cities. And, uh, uh, but this just would not do. Uh, Herodias was just a little bit more aggressively ambitious than it was going to do for her to just live among upper-class citizens. And that wasn't good enough for her. And, uh, and, and so, you know, backburners were for other people. You ever meet somebody that backburners is for somebody else? Well, uh, soon she began looking around to improve her situation. Philip, her husband, Uncle Philip, had a brother, actually a half-brother. Same daddy, Herod the Great, different mama. His name was Herod Antipas. 
he became the tetriarch of Palestine. He became the governor of the area they lived in. And her husband, Uncle Philip, was subject to Uncle Antipas. And she didn't like that. So she began to flirt with Uncle Antipas kind of and get him, you know, I mean, he's the governor. He's the guy with all the power. And, and, and even though he had been married in, 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 in a, you know, um, an alliance to an Arab uh, king's daughter, and he'd been married to her for 30 years, nonetheless, Herodias really would rather, you know, be the queen than just living among the upper-class citizens in Palestine. And so there came a time uh, whenever she told her husband, Uncle Philip, I need to stop saying Uncle Philip, don't I? <laughs> oh, help me here. I need to get out of this somehow. Uh, she said, let's go, uh, you know, um, to Rome and let's see if we can, you know, get appointed to a little better position here and so uh, they went to Rome but Antipas her new boyfriend was already so taken with her that he followed them to Rome and while they were all in Rome together she convinced him to take her on as a mistress lover and she left Uncle Philip and her husband, and went back to Jerusalem with Herod Antipas. While she was there in Jerusalem, by the way, with Herod Antipas, is when Jesus was arrested and taken to their house. And Jesus was judged by him, and there's, you know, uh, you know she was you know, present there, as we understand. And she even got Uncle Antipas now, to divorce his wife of 30 years and break the treaty and the alliance with the Arab king, which a little bit later, about five years later, cost them a war. She wanted to be queen, and she would do anything to get it. Well, I think y'all may know a little bit about what happened because Herodias and Herod Antipas did not do this in secret. This was fairly open. And guess who they bumped into? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was baptizing people along the Jordan River. And they had palaces on both sides of the Jordan River and, 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 and all through there. And they were traveling. And Herod Antipas, who was the governor of the region, he would often listen to John. And he would ask John the Baptist for advice. And John the Baptist would give him advice. And, and Herod Antipas would take his advice. Well, on one occasion, whenever they kind of got together, Herod Antipas and, 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 you know, and Herodias and, and John the Baptist, well, John the Baptist said, I want y'all to know that what y'all are doing is sin. I want y'all to know that y'all, what y'all have done, this is wrong. This is sin. You shouldn't do it. You know, you, you've, you've, I mean, you've, uh, come on now, guys. Well, 
Herod Antipas was actually afraid of John the Baptist. He knew he was a prophet. But Herodias did not have the good sense to be afraid of anybody, including God. And Herodias wanted John the Baptist killed. But she did not have the authority to do it. And the reason she wanted him to be killed was because John the Baptist evidently had answered some questions in public about the affair that was going on and he had said this is not of God it's wrong you shouldn't do it and she took it personal because it was her road to the queenship and if she could have killed him she would didn't have the authority but her husband did her husband had the authority Herod feared John but Herodias hated him you know Machiavelli, if you've read The Prince ever, you know that he encourages you to perhaps make people fear you instead of making people love you. Make your followers fear you. Make your enemies fear you. Don't get your followers to love you because love can quickly be turned into hate. Fear <laughs> is your friend. Well, Herod feared John. But Herodias hated him. And people who hate you are willing to destroy themselves in the attempt to destroy you. And that's what Herodias was willing to do. Herodias hated being made to look bad. Herodias hated being told that she was wrong. Herodias hated the thought that she would not get to be queen and that her husband, her her uncle Antipas might take John's advice. John might be getting through to him. And I might be out. I might have to go back to my first uncle. Have you found Mark 6 yet? Isn't it amazing that all of this is in Mark? Well, the history is there. And let's read Mark 6 now. Verse 14. And King Herod heard about Jesus, for his name was spread abroad, and this is Herod Antipas. And he said, that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show themselves, uh, forth themselves in him. You see, when Jesus started doing all of his works after John the Baptist was dead, Herod Antipas said, this has got to be John the Baptist. It's got to be John the Baptist come back from the dead. Basically to haunt me. Verse 15. And others said that it was Elias. And others said that it was a prophet. Or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold on John, arrested him, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. You see this now? He arrested John because Herodias got him to arrest John. Verse number 18. For John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. 
Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against John the Baptist and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John the Baptist, knowing that he was a just man and a holy and observed him. That means he he listened to him, he watched him, he knew him. And when he heard, when Herod heard John the Baptist, he did many things and heard him gladly. He was happy to get John the Baptist counsel. He feared him, he knew him to be a prophet, he knew him to be a holy man, he knew him to be a just man, and he listened to what he said and he did what he said. He heard him gladly. Verse 21. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee, and when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced, y'all remember Salome? Herod Antipas' stepdaughter born to Herodias and Philip. There's a birthday party and the daughter of Herodias comes in and danced and pleased Herod and then sat with him. The king said to the damsel, to his stepdaughter, ask me whatever you will and I will give it you. And he swore to her, whatever you ask of me, I will give it to you to the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And Herodias said to her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste to the king and asked, saying, I will that you give me by and by in a charger the head of John Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded John the Baptist in prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. Can you imagine her taking his head? And she takes the head and takes it and gives it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Wow. Well, that reads good as a novel, doesn't it? I mean, when you know just a little bit of the surrounding, I mean, this, is, this was very interesting. Herodias here was one evil woman committed to what she wanted in complete disregard for what was right and good and godly. She was committed to her own selfish desires, and John the Baptist had insulted her. That hurt her. Listen, you are going to be hurt in life if you haven't noticed it. You're going to have tribulation, testings, trials. Someone's going to disappoint you in life. Do you know that someone else may be responsible for your hurt? But no one else is responsible. 
for your sin. No one else is responsible for your choices. Other people can hurt you, but they can't make you sin. Sin is a choice you make for yourself. Herodias decided that she was going to have vengeance on John, and she even involved her young teenage daughter, as we understand, in what many believe was a premeditated, manipulative, lust-filled, enticing conspiracy to seduce her husband into giving her what she wanted because of her daughter's charms. Remember our title, Drama Queen? How would you like to live in that much drama all the time? Oh, man. Drama, 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 huh? But it takes a lot. It, it takes your whole life if you're going to be committed to yourself <laughs> to get everything you want, anything you want. It takes, it takes a lot to keep all of that stirred up. And, and uh, you know, uh, she was successful in having John arrested, imprisoned, and executed. And uh, she could have not been happier. History records that she got her way at least for a little while, but not for a long time. Because guess who really got promoted? It was her brother, King Agrippa, the brother of Herodias. <laughs> Passed over Antipas now. <laughs> they passed over Philip. My first husband passed over my second husband. Gave it to my brother. We've got to go to Rome and get this fixed. Come on, husband. <laughs> go to Rome. Oh, my goodness. She really pushed for this one. And Uncle Antipas makes the emperor mad. They not only pass over him, but they strip him of all his title, and they strip him of all his lands, and they give it to her brother. And then they banish Herodias and Antipas. Make them leave the kingdom. And they live out the rest of their life in a faraway country called Gaul. Interesting, huh? Today, you know it is France. And, uh, but uh, it's interesting to me that Herodias is credited with the murder of John the Baptist and that uh, she was also present, uh, as we understand, when Jesus was judged and condemned to death. And she really didn't care. You have to go a long way to not care about people who are being executed, summarily charged because they're doing good, especially when they're right. Well, I could go on and tell you more about what happened to Salome as she was married three different times and then on and on and on. She kept trying to feather her nest to be, in fact, there are coins that are dedicated to her by one of her husbands. Uh, that we still can find. It's just, uh, you know, but uh, let me give you uh, two takeaways before Pastor Marcus comes and, and uh, shares with us how to connect and, and then uh, uh, dismisses us for the evening. Uh, one thing that this story in the Bible and that the history that surrounds it teaches us is that God will give you chances to change all along the way.
the fact that John the Baptist continued to counsel with Herod Antipas. And the fact that over and over and over, no doubt God tried his best to get through to him and to get through to Herodias that this was wrong. You don't need to do this. This is not something that's good. You need to stop this. You're, you know, it's evidently that it's not lawful. It's not something that God wants you to do. Would you please stop? Would you stop? You know, God continues even uh, when, when, when people are, are good, bad, or ugly. Uh, when they're wrong, God tries his best to encourage us to repent and get right with him. I find that wonderful. The wonderful thing about God is that he continues to offer chances to change. And the second thing that I am encouraged is to be very careful who I judge because I might be judging Jesus as she and her husband evidently did on that night in which Jesus was arrested. Wow. Be care careful. Be careful. Maybe that's why Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.